Hello, welcome to the Full Stack Beauty Podcast, where we talk about beauty, tech, mom, and more. I'm your co-host, Sarah, here with Sabrina. Hey, in today's episode, we're going to talk about our businesses and how we each took our ideas to transform the beauty industry and turn into becoming CEOs. So this is our second episode, Sarah. Mm -hmm. Do you think we're famous yet? Um, Obviously. (laughs) You've got uh, two listeners, my mom, my daughter. I had to send the link to my mom and then we'll have three soon. Yes, we're we're winning. So we're talking about our businesses today and where do you think we should start? Um, I'm super excited to dive into our businesses, but before that, I mentioned last episode that you're in Miami, I'm in LA, and I thought we could uh, talk a little bit more about our geographic journey, if you will. Yeah, that's, I get that. Um, so way back when (laughs) I'm going to age myself, but I'm from East Africa, uh, and then I immigrated to the States when I was eight. But, you know, in my adult journey, I basically spent most of my adult life in New York. So I went to NYU, I went to business school there at um, at Stern, and then lived and worked and actually started clear for me there. And when did you move to Miami? I moved to Miami, and I promise I'm not like the Oracle, but I moved like December 2019. So I, you know, it was time to have little ones, and it was time to leave New York, and I happened to move literally right before it all went down in 2020. Did you get amazing pricing on your house? I, I it, was, it, was a, it was an apartment. I wasn't ready for a house yet, because, you know, New York, I've lived in 20 years, apartments, it's kind of my jam, it's yes. what I was comfortable with. So um, in Miami, it was the same, it was just a lot more space, which was nice, and by the water. Um, no, I resonate with the ha- apartment thing, because I grew up in Seoul, lived in apartments all of my life and now I'm living in a house for the very first time in Pasadena and um I'm still getting used to it but um yeah. it's weird all the like upkeep yeah I'm like it I'm like where's the maintenance guy <laughs> um we have something in common that we're both immigrants so mm-hmm. I was born in raised well I was born in Seoul South Korea and then we immigrated to the U.S. to the Bay Area when I was um seven and then we repatriated back to Korea when I was 11. And then I lived there until I went to school, in, uh, went to Boston, then moved to New York um, 2001 mm-hmm. and was there for 12 years before I moved to L.A., I guess, in 2013. So we could have crossed paths. Yes, definitely. Maybe in, in, in the out. clubs that you, you mentioned. I snuck into. Yeah. <laughs> you were sneaking behind me. You were behind me. <laughs> Um, no, probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but no, we never met in New York. We we met um, actually. We met at a conference in LA, and it's you know we've only known each other for a year, but it, it does seem like I've known you for a long time. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Our last episode was about a conference because that's actually where our story started. Was also at a conference. Yes. Um, I don't know if you know this, but well, you know you were a speaker at this conference. It was at the Beauty Matter conference uh, in October 2022 mm-hmm. or September 2022, and you were just on a you were on a panel there, and you were just a badass. Mm-hmm. I uh, I remember exactly what you were wearing. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's like I don't remember what I, what I was do. wearing. Uh-huh. But you're wearing like this really cool green dress with these like matching green earrings. And I just like love this pop of color. And but I mean, that's not why I thought you were a badass, even though you looked great. It was honestly like you're like you're you're really smart and you're really witty at the same time. Oh, and wow. I think that like the perspective you bring to what you're doing with landing just really struck a chord. And then I was definitely one of those people that like afterwards I like stood in line and tried to like, you know, wanted to introduce myself. Every time you speak, you're like famous for five minutes and then you're nobody again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So you got, you got famous in my eyes, but you know, I, I genuinely like really was like, I got to meet her. And I feel like what you guys are doing with landing just really struck a chord to learn more about because there's so many synergies with, you know, our positioning at Clear For Me. And I know we'll get into that a little bit more, but it made so much sense to just learn more and talk to you. Um, I don't remember that, but I remember the next conference. So this was like 
Yeah, they go to a lot of conferences I know, here. I know, this is a lot of conferences. Um, but so that was like October of last year. Then November of last year, um, I was at another conference. And um, I remember what you were wearing. You were wearing like an all cream outfit. It was like head to toe. And I was like, oh my gosh, the confidence. Like, <laughs> isn't she afraid she's going to spill coffee or like, does she not eat? Um, and then you were so It's because my kids stayed at home. Like, <laughs> like kid over, free, I could make it. This without is the only time I can wear this outfit. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then you were so nice that you like basically like uh it seemed like I had planted the perfect question. You asked like a question that like really helped me, like set me up. So I think um that and then we started talking afterwards. Yeah. And then obviously the rest is history. Yeah, and we're here. We're here. Okay, so we're gonna talk about our businesses. What was the journey to clear for me? You know, it was a really selfish one, to be honest, of like the why and how I got started. Um, I mentioned on my last podcast, I was in Wall Street. So I was a derivatives trader, um, really, you know, on the data side, but in finance. So very different world. And um, while I was there, uh, out of the blue, um, I developed really weird skin allergies around my lips and my lips started, uh, you know, I thought they were just really tight. They were really dry, but then it turned into like my skin got tight and then it like puffed up. And then all of a sudden my, the area on my lips just started to peel and it was peeling so much over the, out of the blue that I started to get oh staph gosh. infections on a regular basis. So it was, you know, really not pretty. Um, and scary cause it was just, I had no idea what I was doing. I was a pretty like passive consumer in the sense of like I just used you know chapsticks like regular normal chapsticks and I used like mac lipsticks because that's what my friends recommended were the good lipsticks to wear and you know and I was just super passive and I went through this really intense journey with my lips to try to get to the bottom of it um kind of fast forward but the whole experience that I really tapped into as a consumer is I'm trying to like get educated about what I'm using and specifically, if you're going to get educated about products, you have to get educated mm-hmm. about ingredients. And then the world of ingredients was just this like enormous, like, oh my God, this world of data and how impossible it is to yeah. understand this data. Um, and as I don't know if you know this, but I, you know this, but our viewers in beauty, there is no standard for how ingredients are labeled. That means that a product like um, that has you know 15 to 20 ingredients every single ingredient has no standard for how it's named so as a consumer for example if I wanted to look for something that didn't have fragrance in it I had to look mm-hmm. for 32 different synonyms for it and then if I look for ingredients that I wanted like vitamin c 35 synonyms and salicylic acid 12 yeah you know you get it the, the list goes on and so it was this kind of moment of I needed to look for information I needed to understand the ingredient data of products and I couldn't and that started the journey of there needed to be an easier way for a consumer to be able to find the right product for her based on mm-hmm. what she needed and whatever and so that you was. were always kind of a data junkie yeah i don't i didn't i never thought about it until now is that but it was i think that i really make sense i really like the idea of like kind of putting yeah. pieces together and like if i can understand something and try to make sense of what i'm seeing and um, I've done it in a lot of different ways. You know, I grew up with two brothers and mm-hmm. fantasy football was like, if I didn't watch football, I was just not going to get to watch TV. So I just had to watch sports. And like, so I just started learning about yeah. fantasy football. And when there's like data about like the decisions you make, and it sounds like cheesy, but that's actually how I was able to have some sort of formidable team <laughs> against my brothers is like mm-hmm. beat them with the math and the data. That's awesome. But when you, so you, you look at this product and I thought, I think it's interesting that you went into building a technology company because oftentimes what you see is people experience something on a personal level and then they develop products to like, you know, to meet that need. Um, So just want, I guess, curious about why you decided to develop a, a company around it and then also a technology company because it's, it's kind of daunting to build a software around a need. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's kind of funny to be honest, like when you start, when you start building a company and I'm sure as everyone that's either already starting to do it or you're thinking about doing it, 
you actually don't know mm-hmm. the full picture yeah. of what you're about to it's get into when to. you're going to yeah. solve the problem. Yeah, it's true. So for me, it was just the, it was just really specific around I was looking for information to be able to make the right product choice, and I had no way of doing that. Like, how was I going to look at, you know, a body wash at CVS and just quickly understand, like, should I buy this or should I not for based on what I was looking for? And I realized there's just no way to make that answer, whether I was at a CVS or like a really clean retailer or, you know, support wherever. It was just overwhelming. And that experience of feeling overwhelmed was really like was really triggering for me. Being able to like really want information was something that was also a big problem. And I couldn't get the information because, as you know, when you when we all like look for we have a question, anything, not even beauty, but Mm -hmm. we all just Google it. Right. And then it's like a gazillion answers and you don't know which one to trust. And there's and so with ingredients, there's always a case for or against the ingredient, unless it's like something really, you know, really clear cut. But so being able to seek information, being able to feel, you know, not overwhelmed by information and then being able to make it really personalized because at that time I needed to be really like succinct about what I could and couldn't find. Um, So those three things is what I was like, I needed to make that experience better. And so for me, that wasn't about like a new type of product. It was just the like I needed to make sure that wherever I shopped, it was going to be okay. And I was going to be able to easily get the answers that I wanted. And so it started there. And it was, it, I didn't really know I was going to end up with a database of over 2 million ingredients and have profiles on these ingredients and, you know, all of that. I had no idea, but that's kind yeah. of where it got and, going. And, and I don't know if listeners know, you know, the U.S. is the least regulated, I think, cosmetics industry, like in the world, like compared to Europe and Asia, where there's very high standards, um, you know, the way that. I know that with mocha, things are supposed to be changing, but the way that cosmetics yeah. are made, um, the ingredients that are allowed to be in them, uh, it's very um, regulation light, shall I say? So I think the burden becomes then on the consumer to to educate themselves. And then, as you found, it's not always that easy. Yeah. And, you know, what's I think, like, there's that piece that's really big about, like, the lack of regulation. So consumers are actually leading the charge, like what we saw with food. That's why like Whole Foods became mm-hmm. Whole Foods, right? Consumers started to say, hey, I want cleaner food products that have specific things that are gluten-free or organic. And then that created the need in the marketplace. And I think that all a lot of these trends we see are very consumer-led. And so that's one. But what to me, what's so, what's like, we're in this world where like we have so much mm-hmm. available to us and, you know, the idea that I shop at a retailer uh, online or in a store and there's so many ways that I look for a product, right? I want something that's great. Like right now, you know, I want to make sure that my skin is bright. I'm, you know, preventing lines and sagging. You know, I'm just kind of in that stage where I'm looking at things like that or just being able to ad- address some acne. And the idea that products are recommended to us without the ingredients like in the products like without using the information yeah. of the ingredients to yeah. me is so gnarly and so I'm like whoa and I went down this journey of like oh when you tell me this is good for sensitive skin what does that mean everyone's like oh I don't know mm-hmm. it's basically just like essentially it's yeah. like a marketing like like it's a marketing tactic and there's no data that's using it to like personalize mm-hmm. the recommendation so that's like this then all of a sudden that like kind of like the light bulb went off like the we needed to build a product that one like housed all this ingredient information. So right now, you know, there's no marketplace or there's no database or platform that has the, you know, a aggregated source of all the SKUs in the, in the industry with all of their current ingredients. And then two, we want to make sure that we can actually make that data searchable. And how are you going to do that is make sure that you can standardize that information. So, you know, so somebody, there has to be a database that knows, Hey, vitamin C has these 35 names for it. So that way, whenever these names come up, we know it's vitamin C. Yeah. And then the next level is being able to into, start to build recommendations that say, hey, if you want brightened skin, we should look for vitamin C as one right, of the components. Right. Yeah. And then we recommend it based off that. So that's like, that's the path. And like, that's the problem we want to, you know, we're solving and working to do that with brands and retailers that we work with. I always wondered about that, especially like claims like tightening. I'm like, what in here makes it make, like tightens? Yeah. Um, and everyone has different, yes, just different like definitions of it. Mm-hmm. And so different products get labeled the same way. There's actually some 
I, I can't say the, I can't name the names, but you know, there's shampoos in the marketplace that literally have the exact same formula mm -hmm. and then they're just marketed to straight hair. And then there's same formula as marketed to curly hair. Mm -hmm. There's no change in the ingredients. Okay. But, um, <laughs> first of all, that is not illegal. Um, and sometimes I do, uh, I do uh, advise brand founders because sometimes there's like an amazing product, but it's, it has many uses. But yeah. people only think of it as one thing. Like people only think yes. of it for face when actually like it's amazing for like bikini line or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you can just reposition it, but under a different product name because oftentimes consumers, like they also get it like stuck in their mind that it's only does like one thing. Yeah. But I did want to kind of drill down into um, clear for me. Uh, and what I know is one, you, you power the conscious beauty program at Ulta. Mm -hmm. So that means any beauty, uh, brand that wants to be considered conscious beauty at Ulta has to be registered to your platform. Yeah. And so Ulta has uh, five badges, they say, or pillars. And so clean, cruelty-free, vegan, sustainable packaging, and positive impact. So for a brand to say that they're vegan, they can't just now market themselves as vegan. They have to meet an acceptance criteria, get validated. And so that is done on Clear For Me's platform. And then we, once we validate that claim and provide the certification, we let Ulta know, yes, this product and SKU is vegan. And so they can now market it in stores and online. So now the consumer can get the information she's looking for in a trusted way, tailored to what she wants. That makes sense. And then the other things that I know that um, what I've seen on Credo's website is you can make um, Basically, you power their site so that, well, one, you can click on any ingredient and it says like what it does. And then you can also get product suggestions based on similar ingredients. And then I've seen another um, site where you can search like absence of an ingredient or presence of an ingredient. So I think that's really powerful because right now, if I'm, um, if I go to like a retail website and I search, let's say I'm interested in retinol. I don't think that it appears based on what's in their uh, ingredient list. I think it's it's um, like a keyword that they'll put in. Yeah. So like to your point of if it's like vitamin C, are they tagging every instance of vitamin C or only when the product name says vitamin C? Yeah. And you bring up the like that, that's the, actually the most prevalent use case. It's the idea to help brands get discovered mm -hmm. because they the labeling and the way that customers search. Sometimes it's salicylic acid. Sometimes somebody searches for willow bark extract. But they're, you know, they're one and the same. Right. And so you want to make sure that the full representation of all of the benefits that a product's ingredients have get represented to the customer. And so that's the key thing. So it's exactly right. So one, because we standardize ingredients and have these 2 million ingredient profiles, we also match it. We, in our database, store fact-based information about ingredients, like the source of ingredients, uh, the functions, and then we have, you know, one to two sentence definitions that are neutral that explain what the ingredient does. Mm -hmm. And so brands and retailers that we work with use our data to bring different experiences to life. One, it could be the, the compliance, which is like the claim validation, but like the, mo like the most common way is actually bringing it to stores and, and their end customers on their digital sites to help educate their customers or their store associate or like, or, you know, any retailer or store associates that maybe want to help answer customers questions about what is in these products and what right. the ingredients are because people do ask and like even when i've been into stores like training mm -hmm. and people ask me like what does hyaluronic acid do like what does you know um salicylic acid do, do, do yeah does do and i know from having dealt with these products but i'm not an ingredient expert and sometimes i feel a bit nervous to be like you know i know maybe 10 ingredients Please ask me about one of the 10 I, yeah, I know yeah. about. Don't ask me about like something I don't know. Yeah. Look, even me, like, and I'm in the ingredient space. I don't, I, I'll go to a store and I'm shopping for something for my daughter and I'm like, uh, wait, what is this? And, yeah. you know, we all do that. We're all like trying to make sure that based on, you know, right now, if I have itchy scalp, like what, what, what's the right product or mm -hmm. ingredient? Is this going to help soothe my scalp or is this going to irritate it? Just being able to like get those questions answered. Yeah. Um, it's we have them all the time, even when we're in the industry. So imagine the consumers that don't. Right. Um and okay, I won't go into like how we're partnered together on the technology just yet. Because that's recent news and really exciting. Yes, yes. <laughs> super exciting. Um let's switch gears and I want to learn more about landing. Switch gears. Okay. 
Okay, so tell me about landing and your journey. What got you started and why did you start it? You know, actually, as I'm not a very, um, I think, public person, like, um, to tell my story. I don't know if it's because, like, I was being raised Asian. Yeah, I think that's, like, the Asian in us. Yes, we don't like to talk about ourselves. Um, yeah, like the female. Exactly. It's really, it's, it's recently that I've had to, you know, be coached and be encouraged to talk more because people want to know who's behind the, the company. Yeah. And I think for me, looking back now, there's some things like you didn't realize, but then there were um, things about yourself or your experience that led you to starting this company. So I, I guess I'll answer it like in a couple of ways. One, when I actually had the idea for landing and, um, and then sort of like, why did I start this type of business? So when, so I was living in New York, moved to LA and I remember, and not knowing what I was going to do because I had gotten into law school, but I wasn't sure, um, what, if that's the path I wanted to pursue. And so I guess, I don't know how, how early can you have a midlife crisis? Cause I was like about like 35. I've had a lot already. Yeah. So it's not like, even it's one, yeah. one of the, one of the crises I had, like, what do I want to do with my life? Who do I want to be? And I remember being at this luncheon with these like amazing female entrepreneurs and they were all doing something in technology. And I don't know why until that moment, it had never like clicked for me that women can be in technology and they could mm. be founders. And I felt like, wow, these are people who are like tackling real problems in this very um, high, um, high profile way. And I would like to be one of them. And what, what do I know how to do and what kind of technology could I build? And so I kind of came at it like the other end. And so I knew about beauty. I had been a beauty consultant for uh, um, already about like 10 years, probably at that point. And then I knew about international business. Hmm. And so I had the idea of building a, a marketplace where brands would connect with retailers. And that's when, you know, Match.com was like super popular. Hmm. And so I was thinking, okay, it's going to be a Match.com for brands and retailers. and and so I started it that way. And as you know, through the evolution of landing, we provide now like a suite of services to brands. Um, and we do uh, in-store training solutions. We do sales and analytics solutions for in-store. Um, but I think the through line through all of the technology that we have is that um, I love fighting for the underdog. You know, I felt like when I started my business and was looking at international distribution or getting into retailers, it's just like some people have the information and these are people who like work at conglomerates um, or who have a lot of resources. And then there's a lot of people who don't have um, access to that information. And as they say, information is power. And so I really like the idea of creating like a equalizer, level the playing field for brands of all sizes. And, um, so back to sort of like my personal history, I went to 13 different schools growing up. And Whoa. so, yes. And so I had this like traumatizing experience of like always being the new kid, always being the one that didn't know where like the cafeteria was hmm. and like, how, like what my locker combination is. I still have stress dreams that I've forgotten that I had a test that day and I just show up to class. And which I, I like has happened to me. still have those? I know, right? Wow. Of all the things I've experienced in life, like that's what stresses me out the most. Um, and I think that that's something where even in business, I really want to empower people to have the confidence and to have the information to negotiate or to present in the best possible light. And I think that's sort of what drives what landing does. Yeah. And um I guess the most recent product that we um, have launched in, into retail is uh, an app called Beauty Fluent, and it helps to train in-store associates based on, um, you know, brand values, um, based on product information, benefits, and, um, you know, making it kind of easier because before, I don't know, like 15 years ago when we had the department store model, you were hired by a Clinique, an Estee Lauder, and you learned that brand and you represented that brand for years. And now people who work at, you know, Ulta or any other beauty retailer, they show up to work and they're like, oh, you have to be an expert about these 300, 400 brands. 
and the one store associate has to know exactly a ton of basically the whole store like memorized exactly and then you know because there's this whole other like customer perspective of it if uh which i understand too and i've said many times like most products you can buy online so the reason that a customer goes into store is to have that person-to-person experience and to get validation or to have an experience that they can't have online which is like maybe like trying the products watching um experiencing the fragrance or whatever it is but I think it's sort of unfair because the beauty associate who like, you know, maybe it's like two weeks on the job has to know everything about a brand and like, yeah, what ingredients does it have? Like, hey, I have this kind of skin. Like, what is good for me? Yeah. And I think um, we're not adequately giving them the tools to um, represent. And then on the on, on the brand side, brands are at a disadvantage because there are um, larger brands that have been selling at the same store for 10, 15, 20 years. And the associates are very well aware of them. And then there are new brands who just hit shelves and the store manager won't know, you know, anything about the brand. And someone comes in and says, Hey, is this a good product? And they'll say, Oh, I don't really know too much about it, but let me, let me tell you about the product that I do know. You know, it's so interesting because it kind of ties into like your equalizer story. Mm -hmm. Like the way the industry seems like currently is it's, you know, if there's new innovation and new innovative products that come to market, those brands aren't on an equal footing when they get even, you know, the news that you get into an Ulta or a Sephora is amazing. Yeah. And you're thinking we made it. But then if the, if the store associate doesn't know how to champion your product as a brand or a new brand, you're not going to be on equal footing and even have a chance to like make it. Yeah. So, so interesting that that story's like threaded into what you're even doing now with beauty Fluent. I think those are, and then, you know, you, you, as you know, as a CEO, you make a lot of decisions about the things that you pursue, right? So yeah. we launched, you know, I think four products to date. And so I, there's like an underlying unconscious reason that I gravitate towards certain services versus others. And I just recently um, realized that. Um, and two, so like when I met you, so we have a feature called Clean PreCheck because a lot of brands come to our platform to get pitched into retailers. And a lot of times they want to get into like credo, they want to get into detox market, they you know want to be considered for conscious beauty. And I'll look at their ingredients and um, I'll know right away that they cannot. Mm-hmm. And um, a lot of times they don't believe me. <laughs> <laughs> and um, like I've spoken with buyers at these retailers where there's like, you know, a vast majority of brands that pitch to us are not qualified by the ingredient. So it's sort of like wasting a lot of time and energy um, because it's not, it's not a opinion thing, right? It's, they list certain ingredients that they cannot have. And so we developed this um, tool that um, will tell you what retailers you can qualify for. Yeah. So then, and so we did that, I think prior to COVID now it works <laughs> for anyone who's listening. It works. But then when I saw how you had built your system, I was like, oh my gosh, they're doing this like so much better than we're doing it. And then there was a lot of like the product attribution. So right now um, you can search for, um, so if you're an associate at a store, someone comes and says like, you know, obviously I'm pregnant and I don't, I don't want to make sure to buy things that are safe for me to use. And during my pregnancy, um, there are attributions on our um, app that will search by that. But those are what I would call like marketing tags. So the brand has self-identified themselves to be pregnancy safe. And so it's not um, verified by the ingredients. Um, and same thing with like v- gluten-free or vegan. And the thing that um, Sabrina and I are working together is to basically make, um, you know, landings technology better in that everything will be powered by the ingredients themselves and not um, the marketing tags, because that can also be, um, you know, they can be incorrect. And, yeah. Or they can be incomplete. I think sometimes that's also they, you know, brands aren't taking advantage of the fact that they are vegan and there's customers specifically asking for vegan products. Yeah. You know, this is like, it sounds so like maybe it's, a, maybe it's a little technical, but I think what's so cool about this is like this store, this lesson is true for anyone that's starting a business. Like you have a product, you, it takes so much time to court a customer, mm-hmm. whether it's a end customer or if you want it for retail distribution you got, you know, it takes a lot of like effort to get to the right person, to talk to them. And then if you went to go and you go to all this effort to get the meeting, you get mm-hmm. the meeting and they're like, we can't even sell this product. Yeah. It's such a waste of time, mm-hmm. right? Like 
there's so so you have to really be making sure that when you are pursuing a sell through of your product that you are speaking to somebody that actually has the need for it and is the right customer for it yeah absolutely. Um, and so like that i think obviously extends to it but i feel like it also was in, what's amazing about like what we're able to do with our with our by merging these technologies together with beauty fluent and clear for me is being able to expand the accessibility of this of this product mm -hmm. to more customers that they don't even know yeah um and so the idea that we can not only you know it's not this you know this isn't about weeding out what's good or bad it's really about helping making sure that the product that has this specific value proposition of benefits or specific attributes that are really you know whether it's clean or vegan or safe for pregnancy it, it gets into the right hands that need it and that are asking yeah. for it because if you match supply to demand hopefully you know there's a beautiful merger of an acquisition there or a conversion there and so that's like that that excites us because you know we're we're helping brands be successful with the end customer yeah and, and we'll do it faster i think it's there's so many new features that we could like geek out about we have like so many things that we're integrating but okay let's come back let's come back to 10,000 feet all right. In your um, entrepreneurial journey, um, so you started Clear For Me in 2017. Yeah. Um, would love to know, let's see, let's start with um, what are your top lessons that you've learned over oh, these we're past on the, years? We're doing some rapid fire questions. Mm -hmm, huh? mm -hmm. All right. Lessons. I have a lot. Because <laughs> I have like, I feel like I have them like every day. <laughs> um, you know, building a business, uh, there's a lot of lessons. Um, I would say one is, you know, you can't do it all, right? So when you want to try to build something, you have to build your team and you got to grow the team. And sometimes, you, you know, you, you got to grow fast. Uh, and sometimes you, you, know, you got to be really particular. But I think my, one of my lessons is hiring someone when I knew something was a little bit off mm. and you're just, you're such an, you're in need of a position. You re I really needed a hand. Yeah. I was hiring somebody um, for a sales position because I really needed to take care of, you know, I'm wearing 15 different hats as all of us are in a, any business and it just gets tricky. And I, I realized like when you, when you don't listen to your gut and Sometimes you just try to power through and mm -hmm. just get to, you know, the next step, but you're not listening to that little voice that's like, this just, something just didn't sit right. Like it ends up being a lesson that you waste so much time. And so that's definitely one of my lessons. That's okay. A hundred percent of the time, I don't feel right about something. Something always doesn't. And I don't know if it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. I know. It for sure. And I think um, that's something in hindsight where you get better. You're like, I always had that feeling, but then you start to like trust it and be like, hey, no, this is not the right person. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Um, and then the other one is just on the flip side of it is not firing somebody fast enough when something goes off. And because you, you know, we're such a small team, we're growing fast and you feel like, oh my God, we just need more hands, not mm -hmm. less. Yeah. But sometimes it's, you know, as soon as you start to see things not working, it's really important to make a decision quickly to assess, review, and then um, if, it, if it makes sense to part ways fast, because the longer you drag it out, again, it just like more time gets wasted. And I think the other thing you realize is your productivity as a, not only for yeah. yourself, but as a team gets lost uh, or gets, gets um, blown up, unfortunately. And so I think that like, it's really about my, you know, my two biggest lessons for sure are not, are hiring and firing yeah. at not good clips at times. Um, I heard a quote somewhere it says hire slow, fire fast. Oh yeah. I need and, to do better of that. And I, I definitely feel like I've learned that lesson the hard way as well. Um, what are I, your lessons? Yeah. I'm trying to think I need to, I need to learn more. Um, give us the mistakes. The mistakes. No, I mean lessons, but yeah. Um, I mean, this is something where um, I think that sometimes people would refer to me as like an owner operator, which means that I also do the thing that we um, sell, right? Yeah, you're hands on. Yes. Okay. And I think I should have learned quicker to be the CEO and manager and hire and fundraiser rather than the doer. 
And I remember um, this it's one person. It's so hard. It's so when hard. it's your company yes. to like let somebody else yes. do the work, like the product itself. Yeah. Someone said to me early on, not in this venture that the company had before, is like, you're a really good, you're like a really good pizza maker who's trying to run a pizza shop. And maybe you should go, you should be a pizza maker. And I felt, I felt like that was so true, but so um, offensive. <laughs> and I just think I'm like, no, I, I don't want to be a pizza maker. I want to, I want to own what a pizza shop. shop. Uh. Um, so I think that's a lesson that I'm, I'm slowly learning over time. Um, but as okay. soon as you get into the pizza shop role, yeah, I'm sure your business actually ends up running faster yes. because everyone can everyone can take the, like how you train them and then mm -hmm. get to just and that's the only hat they're working on and so like they can move faster because you're managing 15 other things of yeah. paying the bills and fundraising mm -hmm. and all that stuff. And I think that now I like I understand why investors want to fund e you know, a seasoned entrepreneur because they've already gone through a lot of this or yeah. one would think. Um, yeah. So they I, want your, they want your head in the game around like mm -hmm. the partnerships, right. the, like the strategy and like how you're evolving and what you kind of the bird's eye view of things. So you can make sure that you're like steering the ship. Right. Yeah. And sometimes we're in the, when you're like hands in, when you're in the weeds, you can't see no. the forest for the trees. Right. Okay. So that's a good one to share. Um, I won't go too much into it, but I, I, I'm not very it. like, come on. Uh, no, <laughs> What's this, is like, this is like a sore spot. Well, okay. In 2017, I was approached by somebody yes, to create BTS branded products. And I said, what, who are these people? What, like, I don't think this is so silly. BTS? Yes, BTS? Yes, exactly. What? I mean, now I'm a proud army member and I've had like a complete, you know, 180, but I, I totally blew them off and I was like, I don't get it. I don't know why people would buy things with their faces on it. And so that's like a big mistake that I always, I mean, just like the idea that I could have met them, you know, I don't think we would have been friends, but we yeah. would have like shook hands, you yeah. know? So, um, that's definitely one of my biggest Aww. yeah, lessons learned to be more open yeah. to opportunities. Honestly, like Maybe if you got caught up in that, you wouldn't have been building what you're building and the success you've had since then. But I Hope get so. it. I get it. The, you know, I would be sad too. Um, okay. So on the flip side, we a lot of lessons that we've learned. What do you think is your superpower of what makes you you in a positive way for your business? I think the, you know, there's a lot of different businesses and vendors and par partners you can work with when you're mm -hmm. you know especially in an industry like beauty like it's massive you know beauty is the eighth largest like industry in the world like yeah. it's it's huge and there's a lot of opportunities a lot of innovation a lot of different people you can work with and yeah. do things with even if your technology is unique right like there's ways that people can all choose things i think like my superpower is um you know is my is like the person that I is like the the personal relationship I think I bring to the table with mm -hmm. the partnership. I feel like the feedback that we get, you know, even when maybe there's other partners that people look at is that we really listen to our partners problem mm -hmm. and we try to solve for that. We're not trying to give them our version of what they have to do and really try to work with them. And so I think that what what I think, you know, sorry, I say, I'm saying I think a lot, but <laughs> My perception of my superpower is my ability to really work collaboratively with partners so that they feel heard and not feel like just sold something mm -hmm. to. Um, I like that. And um, I want to answer my question in a way that's not alarming to people, but. Um, alarm us. You've, know, been, alarm you've us. been really good. Let's I see. feel like someone said the other day, there's a lot of entrepreneurs who are like sociopaths. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Maybe don't alarm us. <laughs> um, and I think over time, like with all of these lessons and like trusting your gut and, you know, you are the person who moves your company forward. You're the one who provides the vision. And I feel like I'm very clear on sort of like what I like and what I don't like. And I think that in in our growth has been helpful because I don't tend to get distracted by projects that I don't believe in or I don't feel like is additive to our business. Um, and in a way, because you have to have tunnel vision. And yeah. like when people are like, people have a million opinions about what you should be doing. Like, oh, it should be more like that. It should be more like this. And um, you have to kind of like stay true to what 
you believe. Yeah. And I think I've kind of honed that, but that's where the sociopathness comes out because, you know, I don't like a lot of times people are like, you don't listen. No, you know, I get it. And I think just in the relationship that I've built with you, I think you are just very direct and very like straightforward. Yes. And that is a superpower of yours because I like it's it's trustworthy. It's somebody that knows what they want. You're not wishy washy. You've got it. And I think that that's a that's actually a great a good yeah. one to call out. Thanks, Sabrina. Thanks for making it into a positive. <laughs> okay, next question. Ooh. What do you hate about what you do? I think um, the isolating nature mm-hmm. of being a founder yeah. is really, really, really tough. And sometimes I don't think about it, but sometimes when you're in it and you're going through, you know, losing a client or you're going through like issues with, you know, helping collaborate, like helping your team collaborate more or just like interpersonal stuff that goes yeah. on when you're building a team and running things. It just feels sometimes like everything falls on you and it's like, how is this? And you just managing it all. And I don't know why, because there's so many founders out there, but somehow mm-hmm. like the journey feels really isolating. And I really like always kick myself when I don't just go and talk to you or talk to other founders I've met about a problem I'm seeing, because as soon as I do, it's like, oh my God, it's so validating. You're not alone. Yeah. You're literally going through a version of the exact same mm-hmm. things. And I think that like that, that piece of being a founder sometimes and, and when you're in the weeds yeah. to what we talked about before can get really isolating because there's a lot going on and yeah. it, it can get noisy there. I think it's like kind of like being a new mom where you know there's been millions of moms yeah, like that are going through the same thing. But your specific circumstances in your child are like unique to you. Yeah. So it feels very like alone and you have to make decisions for, you know, your child, your circumstance. It's such a good analogy. Like, you know, like we know, so you're right. Right. Half the world are moms. But when I was like my first, I was like, was in the thick of it. And I wasn't, I was just in my own bubble. I mean, I was great, but I was also suffering and like all of these things. And you just feel like you're the only one that's experienced some of the crazy stuff that mm-hmm. happens in new mom world of is this the right color poop is this the you know right right is the right amount of sleep like where it just it gets crazy and it just gets to be a lot sometimes as soon as you reach out to other moms mm-hmm. you get you're like yeah like oh thank you but the difference between being a tech CEO and a mom is like other moms will tell you like very openly yeah and I feel like with other CEOs it's hard to find someone who'll be like genuine and open and being like yeah it's hard. Yeah. So I think that's where this analogy falls apart. That's true. There is like mm-hmm. a secretive nature sometimes in the mm-hmm. startup founder world. And and it's not easy to like find, uh, you know, I've, I know our relationship is only a year old, but I think that I like this is the first time I can be completely open. Like I'm really struggling here and like, yeah. I don't feel like, oh, my God, like scared that you're going to. Mm-hmm. I don't know, like. I don't know what you would do with that data anyways. <laughs> well, I but just like, this yeah. idea of like, it's hard to be really vulnerable because all of us are, you know, kind of competing, but it feels like we're competing, right. but we're really not. We're we not. have, maybe we have the same customers, but we're not. But sometimes you can get wrapped up in that because mm-hmm. in the startup space, you're always like, oh, I just want to succeed and, and just in your tunnel vision. But I really realize, especially within our relationship and just having this camaraderie and being able to really like help each other and like talk through strategy or talk through like, the stuff that's difficult, you, there's ways to like, I think it's so beneficial when you can approach this with an abundance mindset, right? It's not zero, you know, zero sum game. And, but it's, it is hard. You're right. And some of the culture in New York or LA Mm -hmm. or like the kind of the big city areas with some founders, it can get a little bit like, you don't know, no one's going to like tell you the truth. No Mm -hmm. one's going to give you the lowdown. Like I spent this on that. So that way you just have like a relative reference check. Yeah. Which is I, hard. I love talking about how much things cost. Yeah. <laughs> this is the mom and me. I'm like, I paid this for it. Uh, yeah, what yeah. did you pay? Um, I think my, uh, the thing that I hate, kind of similarly, I think the people aspect of it sometimes can be very draining. Um, you know, I'm only one person. And I think um, before kids, I had a lot more t- before child. Sorry. Um, I had a lot more time yeah. and now I have limited time. So um, I feel like I can't be, you know, everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's always interpersonal like things that go on or trouble with a t- you know team member. And I feel like that's what's probably emotionally draining the most. And um, I think. I think the team thing is actually really good because that yeah. is challenging because we all 
we want everyone on our teams to like succeed. We want them to be comfortable and grow and be like badass members to our mm -hmm. team. So because so we can, you know, we can like scale at, at the pace we want to scale. And it's challenging because sometimes like there's interpersonal stuff as mm -hmm. it happens in every relationship, not just on like companies. Yeah. Like I have them with my husband. I have them with my parents, my brothers, you know, there's, there's that. And you have to treat those head on. And sometimes like you're just, you just want to build and grow your business and not yeah. deal with it, but it's a reality and it's an important reality to face and it sucks sometimes. Yeah. And I think that what people don't realize about being a CEO is that any, as your business grows, um, the things that come to your desk start to be either like the worst things or the best things. But oftentimes it, it becomes like the things that people are like issues that people can't resolve. And so then it comes to you. Yeah. And then the time that you have to address these issues gets shorter and shorter. And it starts sometimes like the thing that like, the, the bad days are like, okay, I'm just like, I'm problem solving after problem solving after problem solving um, on behalf of like my team. Yeah. And that's, I think those are like the worst days. Obviously, I also get, you know, the highlights of it too, where yeah. like the best, you know, the best news comes to me or like the, um, the wins. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of it for me is like the personal. Yeah. Okay. Pinch me moment so far. Other than this podcast. <laughs> Other than us getting famous. Um, mm -hmm. I think that like, it's such a good segue question because there's been a lot and the, um, I'll just tell you my most recent one. So what's super exciting is last month we signed a partnership with Amazon, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. the biggest beauty retailer. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, so it's super exciting. We're uh, being able, you know, we're being asked to help leverage our data to help them with really elevating and transforming how uh, recommendations are made on Amazon.com, mm -hmm. which is just gnarly. It's like, think about the impact of what our database will be able to help do. And so the fact that like Am I have a contract with mm -hmm. my signature mm -hmm. and it's next to somebody from Amazon mm -hmm. in the same page and like mm -hmm. the same like like level is just, I, I don't even know how that happened. It's pretty cool. No, it's amazing. Because what I think about is like, it's this huge company that has the resources to build, get the best talent. And they came to you and they're like, hey, Sabrina, you're better at this than we are. So help us. I know so that's just like mind blowing. It's really gnarly because sometimes as a founder, you're always like, ah, like, what am I, you know, you, 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 you're not sure. And so like these types of moments are very validating that, yes, like I'm not crazy. I am solving a really meaningful problem and yeah. like it's actually having a big impact. And now somebody like them that's paying attention, it's pretty, it's pretty no, cool. That's a really I'm, I'm really one. stoked. So that's a big pinch me moment, but I've definitely had some more, you know, before that. Yeah. What about you? You bet a lot. Give us a good pitch me moment. Um, well, this year has been a really great year. We've the company itself has gotten a lot of acc accolades. Yes, um, I see them left and right on there's LinkedIn. There's so many. Um, we're like, I don't know. So we're like on Inc.'s 5,000 fastest growing private companies list. We're JP Morgan, um, WPO fastest growing women owned led businesses. We're That's like awesome. USP ACC, um, fastest growing Asian businesses. I was on like, no, 40 over 40. Um, I was a finalist for the Entrepreneur of the Year, Los Angeles. Um, we, are, we were, you know, nominated for the Webby Awards and um, I'm, there's a bunch more. So that is, I think, just I felt um, as an as a, as a entrepreneur, I feel like I've hit all of those markers, those the external validation. So I think to me, there's very like on that front, there's not like more that I could hope for. So that's definitely a pinchy moment because I definitely, like EY was on my, you know, yeah, that's huge. Board like, like okay, these are the accolades and like, I feel like you just like, you brushed over, you just like went through them really quickly, but each of those like awards are unbelievable. It's a yeah. testament to not only like what you're doing with your technology, but the team you've built and the yeah. kind of company you're building. And that's like, got to be even more rewarding because you're being recognized for the type of company that you guys are transforming. So, I mean, honestly, no, it's good. I feel like we don't like take minutes enough yeah. to like, and then I'm like next. Really, yeah, yeah. You're like, all right. You're like Ariana yeah. Grande. Thank yeah. you. Next. <laughs> <laughs> so no, congrats. You guys are, you're a badass CEO. I don't know if I could say that, but you're yeah. an awesome CEO. I think we can pretty much say anything we want to <laughs> say on the podcast. Okay. That's a good segue to our quote oh, of yeah. the a uh, quote of the episode. So, okay, I should have found it, but I I'll kind of butcher this one. 
Um, I've shared this one with you. I like a lot. Um, an investor said, you know, every uh, entrepreneur I meet, no matter how simple and beautiful their business is, thinks it's the most stressful dumpster fire that is going to go out of business any <laughs> That's minute. That's so true. It is so true. So okay? true. Any business, they're like, uh, yeah, it's you see from the outside, you're like, it's so fire. great, and I'm always like, oh my gosh, are we, are we, are we still working today? Yeah, it's nutty, right? Like you guys have all these accolades, you're growing at inc- you have incredible growth this year, which you know, and yet you're, you you still have these moments where like, oh yeah. my god, yeah, I'm like this. It's okay, cool. right, we're good for this year, but then like, what about next year? And then yeah. what's after that? And like, how do we grow? How do we? Yeah, yeah, like how do I go from like I just signed Amazon to like, oh my god, what's yeah. next? Yeah, oh my god, it's Amazon. Let's just like be with it for a minute mm-hmm. so i agree that's a good one i know we need to sit with our we need to sit with our accolades more more than the, the mm-hmm. mistakes mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah lesson to all of us in, us included um so my my quote is actually from bruce lee, bruce lee. My, my husband's a huge fan like i have like, he just watches he watches so many movies and yeah. all his books um and his daughter's podcast is really cool and there's Going. a new show based on the writings of bruce lee that is pretty good he's okay. like three seasons oh I don't we're know on writer strike so we, okay. need, we need things to watch um so his quote is the successful warrior is the average man with laser like focus so a reason I really like it is because we always think about like these heroes mm-hmm. in the world or who we deem as super, super successful. And it's actually, they're just regular people um, who are really focused mm-hmm. and are just to your other quote from before, just taking actions and just moving forward and just consistently moving forward with that tunnel vision. So mm-hmm. I guess you're already kind of, you mm-hmm. are a successful mm-hmm. warrior because <laughs> you got that. But I think that that's a really good point because sometimes we isolate ourselves as founders that we're not there yet. Mm-hmm. And that's not what's happening. Yeah. And I think Bruce Lee is a really great way of being able to like share that message to me that makes me realize like, just stay focused, just keep going. And that's how you build. I think we're success. successful warriors. Yes. I can say that. Hashtag successful warriors. <laughs> <laughs> um, thank you guys so much for listening. Yes. Thank you for tuning um, in. Yeah. And so for uh, subscribe now to Full Stack Beauty and please don't miss out on the conversations that matter. Thank you. Bye, Bye. guys.